Hello, friends. Doug Scheibel here, your friendly um, free-range podcaster from Ethnos 360. Just want to welcome you to the Premature Bible Institute. Trust you've had a good Thanksgiving and so on. Uh, it was a good one for our family, and we appreciated the time we got to spend together. Um, getting to the lesson now, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we've learned so far Uh the next few lessons are, it's going to be uh, traveling pretty fast through the Old Testament uh, and leading up to the New Testament. So it won't be too much longer and we'll be getting in there. Now, over and over and over again, I'm challenged uh, just by the lifestyle of the Israelites in um, how um, living in the light of what God has revealed up to that point. Uh, you know, we should all live in that light, but we don't. And there's a reason why is because we're children of Adam. And so our natural tendency is to be rebellious, to do things our own way, go our own way and do things that we want to do rather than things that the Lord wants to do. Um, you know, the people of Israel were were uh, just as deceived as Adam and Eve were and other people were. So uh, <clears throat> they may have admitted that um, Adam and Eve were their ancestors, but never in the spiritual sense. I think they would have said, okay, Adam and Eve were the first people that started out human beings, but Abraham is really our father. That's who they attributed their uh, lineage to was Abraham because he was the first of the, or of the Jewish people. But in reality, their real lineage goes back all the way to Adam, just like yours and mine does. And so these are things uh, that we need to remember that we're spiritual descendants of Adam, uh, not just... Uh, uh, in the physical sense, but we inherited that nature to sin from him. So it's uh, important as we go through these lessons to remember that that aspect of our nature, of who we are uh, in Adam, um, and so that we need to understand those things. Adam has infected all of us. It's like a, it's like a disease. It's genetic. It's something that's within us. It's the propensity to do that. We even see that in the smallest of children. Children never do anything for the benefit of others. They, and I don't mean that in a mean sense. I mean that's just the way things are. A little baby doesn't cry because it's trying to help its parents out or warn them of anything. It's wanting something that they need, and it's all inwardly focused. I need milk, or I need food, or I need whatever it is I need to do. I need to go out and play, and all these different things are part of the nature of humans, uh, no matter who we are. And so uh, we just need to understand those things and remember that. So as we go through these lessons, I just want to make sure that we're not trying to really um, say that we're better than the Israelites. Uh, we're not. We're the same as them. So the last lesson, uh, we dealt with the like of 40 years of wandering. So Israel has left the, uh, Egypt and they've gone into, uh, we've already done with the Ten, we're done with the Ten Commandments. And they said, uh, God says, if you do what I tell you, I'll bless you. If you don't, I'll curse you. And Israel says, all that he says, we will do. So the agreement was signed there when they said that. And now they're out there wandering for 40 years. Of the original Israelites who are 20 years and older, remember they rebelled against God. And God says they could not enter into the promised land. But those from one year from birth, from that point on up to uh, 20 years old at that time, uh, would enter into the land. So the oldest anybody could possibly be who would enter into the land, into the promised land, would be 60 years old. Uh, that would be those who were 20 years old at the time of the rebellion and then for the next 40 years. So they could be 60 years old and down. Nobody over 60 years of, old, uh, of age entered into the promised land. So now they've been wondering for 40 years, 
and a significant event comes up. And uh, I want us to really dwell on this a little bit because this is really significant. As a matter of fact, a lot of Jewish people don't even realize this. Some do, but I mean, there's a lot that don't. But I want to get into this. So going to Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 5, it says this, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. So Miriam, remember, was the sister of Moses. She's the one that walked uh, with baby Moses when he was in the little um, uh, basket as it was floating down the Nile River. And then Pharaoh's daughter found him and took care of him and take uh, all that. And so Miriam was the one who handled that. That was his older sister. So Miriam dies, and she is buried there. And so they did that, and everything was uh, up to this point was okay. But then something happened, and so we want to go to start going with that now. Verse 2, it says this in chapter 20. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place for of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. No, uh, I'm sorry, nor is there any water to drink. So here we are. We're almost at the end of the journey. And, uh, and all of a sudden the Israelites start to complain again. And they're saying, man, we don't, this isn't the place where we're at. It's not a place to raise a family, raise our crops, to have food and water and all that stuff, and we don't even have any water here. And so they started complaining against Moses and Aaron. You would think, after all the times through those 40 years that God had tested them and showed himself, shown himself faithful, that they would have learned their lesson. But they haven't. And so that's what uh, is going on here. So they weren't learning their lesson. Um, the people complained but the, that they didn't have any water. And they guess what? That means that it says here, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And then it says, um, and why have you made us come up out of Egypt? So once again, they're still looking to Egypt for their salvation. Not salvation in the spiritual sense, but it was a spiritual problem. But they're saying, look, if we could only get back to Egypt, everything would be fine. Even if we're in slavery, we would be fine. And so that's what God's trying to deal with them on. He says, you're free. You're just free. Just trust me, and I'll provide for you. But the people didn't want to do that. They were still looking to Egypt as their way of getting out of whatever situation that they thought they had, that they were in, that was bad for them. And so they're looking back, looking back, looking back all the time to Egypt. You know, say they forgot they forgot that God had destroyed Egypt. So, man, I mean, God wiped out everything in Egypt. He wiped out their crops, their firstborn, their, you know, all their gods, everything. He just wiped it all out. And yet they still want to go back to that. They're just forgetting that. So 40 years earlier, they complained, and Moses asked the Lord what to do. And what did he do? Remember, they complained about the food. They said, you know what? Uh, God provided quail. And if you read that passage in there, what it says, he provided so much quail, they said that there, it was coming out of their noses. And what that means, I think it's kind of a euphemism that's saying he, they just had so much that they just they got sick of it. There was just so much food, the quail. And then he provided that manna, which was in every morning. There would be a frost on the ground. It would, uh, 
and then it would dry, and then it would have this kind of a stuff. It tasted sweet like honey, had a, that type of flavor, and that would be kind of their bread. And they had that for 40 years. Can you imagine? Every morning they woke up, and there it was, that food, and the water that flowed with them. God provided that water. Moses struck the rock. The water flowed. They had water for 40 years. But now they're coming to a place right before they enter into the promised land. They said, we don't have any water here in Kadesh. So um, they complained complained once again. So God had protected and fed uh, and gave them water uh, for nearly 3 million people during that period of time. Could you imagine feeding that uh, that many people, taking care of them out there in the middle of a desert for 40 years? It's just amazing. but he didn't just provide all that. He God provided manna. God provided water. He provided quail. And guess what else? Their clothing never wore out. They never got tired. Yeah, I guess that would be hard for a lot of people who like clothes all the time, new clothes. They didn't need any new clothes because the shoes never wore out. The clothing never wore out. Everything was fine. So and he also protected them with that pillar of fire and smoke uh, day and night. So nobody could come near him. Nobody could bother them. So let me ask you something. Do you think we're any better than the Israelites are? Do you think we do we still complain, even though we know who the Lord is, some of us? Uh, do, we, uh, do we fail to trust the Lord? Are, are we still trusting Him, or do we, is it just a mess? Do we continually complain all of the time? And uh, do we try to do things our own way, rather than depending on God uh, through the study of His Word, through prayer, and through uh, living by faith? See, we study his word to find out what he thinks about things. And then we pray uh, according to the word of God so that we can ask the right things. And then we live by faith as means we believe God, that he's going to do what he said he would do. That's all that living by faith is, is believing God will do what he said he would do. And so that's what they needed to do also. So, um, so they complain against Moses once again. They say, there's no water. What are we going to do? Why didn't we die? Why didn't we go back to Egypt? Why did you bring us up out of here? So what did Moses and Aaron do? They do what they always do. They go to the Lord, who they should. And so Numbers 20, verse 6, it says this. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly of, of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So what they did, they heard the complaining. They didn't argue with Israel. They didn't tell them this or that. They just went to the Lord. They went to the tabernacle of meeting. It says they fell on their face, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And so they were there, and um, and God appeared to them. So Moses and Aaron uh, appeared or proceeded in the proper way. They came to God, who they knew was the only one that could do anything about this anyway. And so they went to the Lord for guidance. What should we do? And so God commands Moses to do something. And let's read what it says. Numbers 20, verses 7 and 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother and Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. In other words, Moses is to come up to this rock in front of everybody, and he's to speak to it. Speak to the rock. Okay? Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Uh, Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So God was going to provide for them. He was going to provide the water from him. And what he told Moses to do in front of everybody was go up there and speak to the rock and it will happen. 
Okay, so God's giving his promise that this is going to happen. So God's instructions could not have been any clearer than they were. Absolutely clear. Would anybody else understand if somebody told you, if you want to hit a home run uh, in a baseball game, speak to the bat, and I'll I'll make sure you hit a home run. Well, what if you sat down and you started hitting it with another baseball bat? Is that going to help? No, because God told them what to do. He says, go to the rock that the Lord was evidently pointing out, whichever rock that was. Do it in front of all the assembly. Speak to the rock. The rock will provide water enough for Israel and all its livestock. Simple, plain, to the point. Not a lot of beating around the bush. This is what he says to do. So now remember, 40 years before what God said, God told Moses to strike the rock, to hit the rock with his rod. And the rock provided water for Israel during that time. For 40 years, it provided uh, water. So now he's told to speak to the rock. So, um, and will God provide water or not? What do you think? So Moses does this in uh, verses 9 through 11 of chapter 20. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Okay, so he's doing what God said, took the rod. All right. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Okay, God told Moses what to do. Now let's just talk this over a little bit and see what Moses actually did. Moses had been leading a rebellious people for 40 years. He was probably sick and tired of them. I can imagine, you know, just... 40 years of this pain pain in the neck people that were always doing what they did. He was probably upset because of having to put up with these people for so many years. And, and Moses probably was so angry that he struck the rock rather than speaking to it. So Moses took his uh, staff and he struck that rock. And he didn't do it just once. He did it twice. Okay. So, do you imagine that God probably understood Moses' sentiments on this? Can you imagine God sitting down there looking at that and saying, Oh, you know what? I, that's no problem. He's probably pretty upset about this whole thing. I'll let this one slide. All right? I know I told him to speak to the rock. And even though he struck it, even though that uh, Israel has been rebellious, this really isn't his fault. Do you think that God let Moses' actions slide? Well, let's see. Verses 12, verse 12 of chapter 20. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Okay? So, wow, he's sitting there saying, Okay, here's what God's telling him. He says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He says, Because you did not believe me. So God knows what they're thinking. He says, You didn't believe me. He says, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. In other words, to honor, to respect me. You dishonored me in front of the whole nation of Israel by striking this rock rather than speaking it. Now, that must mean that Israel understood what Moses was to do. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Even if they didn't, somehow he was, well, let me say this. It's recorded for us today. And Moses actually wrote all this down. So Moses is the one recording what he did. So he knows that he didn't honor him. So you didn't honor me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Because of what you did, because you dishonored me and disrespected me in front of everybody, 
Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. I am giving the land to them. I'm giving it to the ones I said would go in there. But Moses, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get to go into the land. This is a big, big thing that Moses did here by dishonoring God. He was a leader. He was the one after, you know, the, after God's own heart. He was a servant of the Lord. And everybody respected him as such. And he, yet he decides to do this his own way. He strikes the rock. So God, once again, uh, we'll talk about this here in just a second. Um, you would think that Moses, who had entered the prom, uh, yeah, you would think it would be oh Moses that would be the one to enter the promised land, and all the rest of them God would just wipe out or let him die right there, but he didn't. Uh, Moses was the one that paid the price for his own actions. See, God doesn't lower his standards for anybody. He doesn't care who we are. Even if I was Moses, or if I was Adam, or whether I was Cain, the firstborn child in the world, or the people in the time, whatever, whoever it is, believer, unbeliever, there are things that God says, okay, this is going to cost you. There's going to be penalty. There's going to be a consequence to these actions. And so this was the consequence to this. And there will be a reason why. And it won't be revealed right now, but I think later on, uh, it may probably in the New Testament, we're going to see why this event was so important, okay? So remember this, Moses and Aaron were representatives of the, to, uh, to the nation of Israel from God. So they were representing him. Um, uh, the contract that God made to Israel included Moses and Aaron. They weren't, they weren't um, what's the word I want to use? They weren't, um, they were held just as accountable as everybody else. Let me put it that way. Um, so if they dissed God, if you want to put it that way, then God was going to bring consequences on them, and that's what he's doing here. They did not honor him in front of the people. As a result, they would not bring the people into the land promised to Abraham and his descendants. Up to this point, for 40 years, he's been faithful to the Lord, but this one event kept him from going on. Remember with Adam and Eve, that one event is what caused sin to come into the whole world. Um the greater the responsibility there is, the greater the consequence. There's a passage in the New Testament that tells us not uh, for people not to try to be, it isn't that we shouldn't teach, it's don't strive to be a teacher. Uh, always strive to be a servant. Uh, because uh, the teachers always receive, receive a greater consequence to what they're, uh, they're teaching, like me right now. What I'm telling you right now, I will receive a greater consequence for telling to you than you are for hearing it, uh, because I'm the one that's uh, purporting to tell you truth. And if I tell you something that's not true, then there's going to be a, there's going to be a consequence to that. So I work very hard at it. I try my very best. If you see something that you don't think is true, that's okay. Let me know, and then maybe we can talk about it and see why, or maybe you can understand why I said it the way I did. So sin, remember once again, sin never affects just the person who's doing the sinning, okay? Moses did this, but it affected a lot of other people. He wouldn't be in the land with them to help them and doing what they did, okay? So Moses and Aaron, they're now they're not going to be able to go into the promised land. And it was <clears throat> right after that, um, we see something here, Numbers chapter 20, verses 23 through 25, and also verse 28. I want to read that. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the uh, border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel. 
because you rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. Now, this is, this is taking place a little bit later, okay? Take Aaron and Eleazar, his son, and bring them to Mount Hor. Now, I want you to understand something here. This, what I'm reading here, comes a little bit later than where they, uh, Moses uh, struck the, the rock and the water came, uh, struck the rock twice. So there's a little bit of time passing after that. Not a lot, but there's some time. And so now Moses tells uh, Aaron, you're not going to go into the land it's about time for you to uh, to come to me. You're going to be, you're going to die. Is what it boils down to. So then it says in verse 28, Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son, and Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. Okay, so Eleazar was uh, Moses, not Moses, but Aaron's son. And Aaron, remember I told you the priesthood was going to be of the tribe of Levi, and it was going to be of of the family of Aaron. So Aaron's family would be doing this, of the high priest. So now Aaron is going to die, and he does, and now that has been transferred to Eleazar, his son. And uh, so now I want you to understand something. Aaron did not die because of what he did at Meribah, which is where... Moses struck the rock twice. He didn't die as a result of that. He died because he's a child of Adam. It doesn't make any difference whether he did all the right things or the wrong things. He was still going to die. But he wasn't going to enter into the promised land anyway. But he was going to die. So this is where he died. He died because he was a child of Adam. Uh, Remember that. Uh, He didn't die because of some bad thing he did. So many people, you know, we're looking out right now out in California. We see all those fires. We look on the East Coast and all the floods and down in the South along the Gulf Coast. And a lot of people are saying God's judging those people. Well, God doesn't rule in a throne of judgment right now. He's ruling on a throne of grace. And so he's allowing people as much possibility as they can to for people to reach them with this message. Not everybody will be saved. That's not my point. My point is he's given everybody great opportunity to be saved, to become believers, to become one of his children. Uh, But no matter what, we're still going to physically die, no matter who we are. But God, the fires that are happening out there isn't because God's judge him says, okay, I'm going to wipe you guys out. No, that's not the point. That's just part of the fall, part of what Adam did. It's affected all of nature. It's affected all of mankind, everything. The entire universe is affected because of what Adam did. So, uh, But he didn't die. Uh, Aaron didn't die because of what he did with Moses. He die, He's dying because he's a child of Adam, and that's all there is to it. Aaron could not enter the land. Uh, could not enter the land because of what he did at the waters of Meribah, and Aaron's son Eleazar, like I said, became the high priest. So God always keeps His word. I want to conclude with this: God always keeps His word, no matter what we do, no matter what we say. God will always keep His word. He's promised things, and He cannot go back on His promise. He told the Israelites who rebelled against Him that after they uh, after they left Egypt, that all who were twenty years old. Uh, and older, I'm sorry, who were 20 years and older would not enter the promised land. He said that right at the 40 years before that, and they're not going to, all right? Now he tells Moses and Aaron that they will not bring the people into the promised land, and he's going to keep his word on that. Moses does not lie. I'm sorry, God does not lie, and there are always consequences for our actions, so we need to remember that. So do you? let me ask you something. Do you think that Israel is finally learning their lesson that they're finally getting it, that they're finally understanding. Judge, judging on what you've seen so far, do you think they've got it? 
they think they're going to finally learn their lesson and say, okay, we're going to follow the Lord. Well, we'll see that in the next lesson. Remember, if you want to listen to these or if you have friends that want to listen to this, get them to my uh, um, podcast, uh, which is, you know, the, the Premature Bible Institute. Just have them go to their favorite podcast uh, and, and just look that up. Or if they want to watch it on YouTube, they can just get on YouTube and look up my name, Doug Scheibel, D-O-U-G, and then my last name, Scheibel, S-C-H-A-I-B-L-E, and they'll find it there and they can look it up there. So just want to say thanks again. See you next week. Bye.